I am sitting here at the 73rd World Science Fiction Convention, right? 73rd. I, and I keep, I should be looking at my badge when I say that. Yeah, it I don't is know. the 73rd, which is Saskwan in Spokane. And James is an old friend. You've been on the podcast several times. Yeah. I enjoy having you on. We always Thank have you. a good conversation. Uh, but in case a, a new listener is here and hasn't heard you before, why don't you tell them who you are and what you do? So I'm James L. Sutter. I'm the executive editor for Paizo Publishing and one of the co-creators of the Pathfinder role-playing game. Mm-hmm. So uh, in my job as an editor, I work a lot on... Uh, both you know, the world building and the novels and whatnot that go along with the Pathfinder role-playing game, and honestly, kind of a little bit of everything. And then I also am an author. I've got two novels, Death's Heretic and The Redemption Engine. Mm-hmm. I almost brought them to get you to sign them, but I just didn't want to carry the weight. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, they're both, um, they're both uh, books tied in with the Pathfinder role-playing game about... Uh, it's kind of Blade Runner meets Dante's Inferno. It's an atheist investigator in a world where gods are real... Um, tracking down lost souls. So uh, uh, in addition to that, I also write game books, comics, um, you know, a bunch of stuff. Sure. And uh, as longtime listeners may remember, I got huge into Pathfinder not too long ago. And yeah. you've been very kind and, and kind of helped foster that along with me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, Start I'm, the addiction I'm, wherever oh we can. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. And I've talked about it. It brings back to me... You know, being that teenager in high school and playing the red box, right? Yeah, Talking yeah. That. And uh, I'm just loving it. I, I love, it. I love the world that you guys have created. It's it's so easy to get into. So I, it's just like that. You, there's there's the learning curve isn't there. Well, it's, that's that's really good to know because right? we we know that like uh, that was one of the reasons why we made the uh, the beginner box, yeah. for instance, was to try and make the game a little more accessible because oftentimes people will. Uh, you know, people will see a big rule book and say, right. "Oh, you oh, know, yeah. Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, stuff like that." There's, they it's not barriers. for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, anytime we can break down those barriers, uh, we attempt to. Um, the beginner box was part of that, but also, uh, actually, you know, the fiction that I, uh, you know, I'm the editor who commissions all the novels and whatnot mm-hmm. that we do. Um, I like. I feel like that's also a really good vector because if you can make people fall in love with the world, then. You know, really, the rules are just there to help you tell stories. And so people can take as much or as little as they want from the rules system. But if they've got that world, then then the story hooks are there. Then their imaginations are going. Yes. So that's always been the heart of it for me. And I've had that conversation with several people who have written actual elements of, uh, of like, rule books. Yeah. And the little encounters and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they've talked about there's a balance to it, right? They, they need to give enough information for you to be able to play the game and have a good adventure, but they can't give you so much that it's limiting what you can do with it. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like um, that can actually be applied to, I think, just fiction in general. Sure. But um, especially in game design, I find that... If you go too exhaustive, um, you know where it's you know you've got the menu for every inn in the in the nation. Um, people just glaze over. Right. You know it gets it gets boring because a lot of the the trivia is just that it's trivia. Um, and so instead, I think it's really important to get seeds and hooks. You know we call them adventure hooks for a reason because you're trying to sort of draw the stories out of people. It's not about me giving you. The story necessarily, although obviously we publish adventures that do that, but it's about getting you to wonder what's over that horizon, you know, what's down in that cavern, what's in the castle on the hill, 
And so I find that my favorite stuff is when you can drop in the little allusions to things where you'll write two sentences about some lost city and then somebody will come up to me at a convention years later and say, oh my God, we've been playing in that city for the last, you know, six months in our campaign. And it's, you know, I didn't make that. I gave you just enough to tell the story yourself. Yes. And so that's, I mean, when I, especially when I'm working on game books, you know, my rule, if I'm writing a gazetteer of something, I basically want a new story hook every paragraph, every hundred words, because that's that's what you know you're paying me for is trying to give you the sparks to light the fire. Like yeah. you're responsible for the fire, I'm responsible for the sparks. Yeah, and I, I know that not everybody likes to tie in novels. Sure, but I think you guys have done a really good job with yours enough so that now like Tor came knocking. Yeah, right? yeah. It's funny, you know, people talk about tie-in novels, and there is sometimes a stigma against stuff. But at the same time, you know, on the one hand, you'll have people saying, oh, well, that's, you know, anything with a logo on it has to be crap. But at the same time, those are the books that are selling at the grocery store checkout line. So clearly tons of people are buying them. And I think the answer is, like anything, you get out of tie-in what you put into it. And sure, it's easy for a company to that either doesn't know what they're doing or just doesn't care to just sort of farm out the books and just put them out there but you know as as the person who commissions all the pathfinder novels i'm deeply invested in getting the best authors i can giving them as much freedom as i can but also still really making sure that it's their best work and i think that you know the proof is often in the pudding in the sense that uh you know you look at tie-in and you say well if you've got guys like brandon sanderson and greg bear and all these different people writing tie-in they don't lose their abilities as an author right. as soon as they write in somebody else's world. In many cases, it's an advantage for them because they can you know, take the stuff that they like and focus on you know, spending their creative energy on the other elements. Sure. So I think that tie-in can be really good, and I've been very fortunate to be able to get some awesome authors. You know, I'm, some of my recent acquisitions, for instance, um, like Max Gladstone is yeah. going to be doing a book for us, or Sam Sykes. You know, there's, mm-hmm. uh, Sam was tweeting about it like crazy. He was yeah, excited. yeah, he's really excited. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love. And that's you know, been true since the beginning. I mean, we've had you know, Howard Andrew Jones or yep. you know, Tim Pratt, you know, I guess Hugo Award winner Tim Pratt. Dave you know, Gross? Yeah, Dave Gross. Like all these, you know, and then you know, also Wendy Wagner yep. and Leanne Merciel, who does some of the best dark fantasy around. Like, I think that what I love is to find authors who are already high quality authors doing their own stuff who are also excited about the game. And oftentimes they don't even realize that tie-in is an option necessarily. You know, they'll tell me, oh my God, I love your world. I spend all this time doing stuff for my home game. And I'll say, well, do you want to, you know, do you want to come play in our sandbox? Yeah. And often the answer is like, oh my God, could I? <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember um, yeah. uh, a couple years ago, um, China Mieville wrote a little four-page section for one of our setting books. And uh, he and I worked together to do a monster. You know, like he came up with a monster and I wrote the stats for him. And he was so excited about it. And here's a guy that's won, you know, basically every award what there is, as far as I know. But he'd never been in a game book before. And there was that thrill. Right. You know? Well, people don't think about it, but authors are fans, too. Exactly. Exactly. And we're all fans of each other's stuff, but also different genres. Well, um, and we've grown up playing role-playing games, so who doesn't want to do this? Exactly. Oh, but um, you know, back to the original point. Yeah, uh, Tor. So, yeah, Tor. <laughs> so this is a big deal. I've been shepherding this deal through for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, we've partnered with Tor to publish the Pathfinder novels going forward. And actually, in addition to publishing the novels going forward, they're also re-releasing all of the uh, old Pathfinder Tales novels on uh, e-books, you know, so Kindle, all the different formats. Um, so that's actually already live, so now people can finally get that stuff kind of anywhere Which, they want. And in, in, in so people understand, the ebooks were available in the past, you just had to buy them through the Paizo website. Yeah, they weren't available. In, they were available in a number of places, but specifically not Kindle, right. because there were some contractual sure. issues. But fortunately, signing with Tor has gotten around that, and so now, you know, speaking both as the person doing the line and also as one of the authors, it's so gratifying to finally have my stuff on Kindle, so yeah. I hope people <laughs> who are, you know, Kindle fanatics will go out and check it out. But yeah, also signing with Tor, um, you know, it's still going to be very much the same process that it was in terms of I'm still in charge of picking the authors, working with them. You know, it's still going to be... Yeah, that's a question I was going to ask because I'm nosy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, are, are you... Still editing everything in house. Yes. Okay. So and they're just they're just putting it together and distributing. It. It's basically yeah. It's it's kind of you know if you want to get technical, it's kind of a packaging and distribution sort of deal mm-hmm. where we do everything we did before, but then when we would have sent it to the printer, we send it to Tor. They use their printers, their marketing team, their distribution, all of those things. Okay. And so it's this perfect. It's actually really is a perfect symbiosis because they get us who are the content experts. Mm-hmm doing everything with the books yeah. so they don't have to try and worry about managing canon and stuff. They can just let us do everything. Sure. And then we get to have, you know, the 800-pound gorilla that is Macmillan getting the books in all the bookstores, getting stuff out there, their marketing team. Because we're still, in many ways, a small operation. You know, Pathfinder is very big, but big big in games still means, you know, a company with 50 people, right, you know, right, right. as opposed to something like Macmillan, which is worldwide. Sure. So it's really, it's been really good. And my counterpart over there, Marco Palmieri, the editor, has been great to work with. And so we've really been having fun both taking what we already have and then also, I mean, now that we're with Tor, there are there is an extra sense of legitimacy. So sure. that's how I find, you know, like Max Gladstone is a Tor author, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And so... I think it's really going to be... I mean, it's, it's still pretty new. The first book, Lord of Runes, just came out in June. And the second one, Liar's Island by Tim Pratt, comes out any day now. But I'm really excited to see, see what new audiences we can reach and who we can bring in that doesn't, that doesn't even necessarily know about the Pathfinder sure. game. Well, and it was funny because I had Dave on. And we were talking oh, great, about it. Great. It was his, his book was the yeah, first Yeah, yeah. And we were, we were talking about it. And I, and I joked to him that uh, I've always gotten the Pathfinder books. Like, you've always sent them yeah, to yeah. me, you know, and I just rave about them. And I said, but now that Tor's got it, I probably won't get any because Tor doesn't send me any books. Oh, no. And within a week, I had the book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, well, so he, he, he made a call and someone sent me the book and I was just like, oh, this is amazing. Now, you did do a format change. You, you've gone to a, a we little did. bit bigger. And I was also curious, does Irene now touch the covers at all or do you guys still do She hasn't yet. Okay. Um, you know, and I have, I have huge respect for her covers. Sure. I, I love her work. But um, really at the moment, they have been happy to let us just do everything well, that we've been doing it. There, I've always talked about with comic books. There's a Marvel style, there's sure. a DC style. Yeah, you know, 
there is a Pathfinder style. To there artwork. is, and that's uh, you know our, our our senior art director Sarah Robinson is very much the the curator of that style. Um, you know, we have several people on the art team, but she's kind of at the top of it. And she has very strong opinions about what she wants and what looks like Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, A, she's really good at it. Yeah. But B, far be it from me to try and mess with that, you know, when it's worked so well my for us. My only complaint, my only complaint, yeah. and this is hilarious, because I'm not the only one that does this, the beginner's box, Yeah. you have um, the people in the city, right? And there's the buildings... And then you have the logo. Okay. And there's a gap between the buildings above the logo that is white. Oh, really? And when you're looking at it, it looks like someone has torn the box. And Interesting. So I had never heard that I had before. loaned the box out to a friend, and when I got it back, <laughs> I looked at it and I said, Oh my God, you ripped the box! And she went, No, I didn't, but I thought the same thing. And we were looking at it, and it's just this little strip of white... Interesting. Where the, where the two buildings don't meet and there's like sunlight or something coming through. I'll have to it's go look hilarious. at that. You're going to have to look at it. Yeah, now everybody's going to run out and get the, yeah, the news box. I know, out. right? Well, <laughs> hey, then that's, that's great. And, you know, another, um, speaking of, uh, you know, not as much for the novels, but just in terms of art and design and whatnot, you know, like the Beginner's Box, the Core Rule Book, like a lot of our big releases are all done by the same artist for the covers, Wayne Reynolds, who has been just invaluable in sort of setting the tone and the style for a lot of our books. Um, he's really part of the creative team these days. And so, uh, you know, he's not in-house or anything. He lives in England and we're based out of Seattle. Sure. But it's really cool to be able to have people that you greatly respect and trust that can consistently work on the line. It helps give a sense of continuity to sure. things. Well, and another thing that I've, I've found interesting since I've gotten back into this stuff, my friend JT, who's here, when, when we were having a game night, he brings this huge duffel yeah. that's full of books yeah. right? and, and rules, and he's got his miniatures, and he's got, yep. he's got enough dice to, for like 50 people. Yeah, the full suite. Brings, yeah. You know? And he has also, and then this other guy, Darren, comes with an iPad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's got everything on the iPad. He's doing the like the PDFs yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That's a trip to me, you know. Yeah, well, the, and but that both of those can coexist, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of people thought that the digital age would kill tabletop gaming, and instead we found that it it hasn't at all. People are still playing those games because they're still something to sitting around a table with your friends that yes. can't be simulated by a World of Warcraft or whatever. But we do see people incorporating more and more of these digital tools into their pen and paper games. Um, And actually, you know, to facilitate that, like, you know, like you said, we sell PDFs of all our books, but also all of the rules to the game, the actual, you know, classes and things are all up online for free. We put them up for free just because we want people to be able to look, you know, easily look up a rule or do whatever at the table. You know, if I, if I forget you know, how many how many dice of damage my fireball does. I want to be able to whip out my phone and look that up real quick. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, obviously the books are, when we do it right, and I think, I think personally that we do, but like uh, the books are things of beauty, right? You know, they're, the art is gorgeous. They feel good. Oh, yeah. They smell good. But if all you want is the rules, <laughs> you can have the rules and we'll never, you know, yeah, and we don't see a dime of it. And it's just... It's important to have it out there so that people can play. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the, the the Pathfinder Guild? Oh, the Pathfinder Society. Yeah, yeah our organized play, uh, which is huge. You know, just hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. And it's uh, it's interesting because it's a it's 
let's see how best to describe this. I can't really think of a good analogy, but um, it's almost like a league or something where anybody can play. Like you can either play with your home group and just you know sign up online to count. Uh, count your games as an official quote unquote um, but more often what people do is they use it to go to conventions and just find pickup games right. or to uh, you know take the same character from game to game so if I'm part of the Pathfinder Society I can have my character that levels up uh, even if I you know play it you know a game store in Florida and then a convention in Denver and then you know somewhere else you can have the same character that's tracked and you know part of this overarching mm-hmm. uh, organization. And since we are at Worldcon, there is gaming going on here. Yeah. Uh, but you guys also do your own convention. We do, we do, we do PaizoCon, um, and that's that's a fun one. It's kind of just for the uh, the hardest core of the uh, of the fans. It's you know. Uh, I think in the past we've captured about a thousand people, but uh, you know we're we're growing it slowly. But it's a fun time for you know the entire company is there, uh, and we just spend the weekend hanging out, doing panels, playing games with you know fans, and really just getting a chance to know our community sure. because we've discovered that you know since the very beginning. I mean, we started out doing Dungeon and Dragon magazines, yep. and. When we went, made the move to Pathfinder, it was a huge risk. And the only reason we're, you know, I'm not working at Wendy's right now is because, <laughs> because the community really embraced us and supported us through several big transitions, you know, from the magazines to pa- you know, the Pathfinder adventures, and then from third edition to Pathfinder when fourth edition happened. You know, yeah. people, have, people stuck with us, and we <laughs> find that like, the best way to, to sort of foster that is to be part of the community, to be on the message boards every day. And I think that's one of the best things about the company is that if you have an opinion or a question or whatever, you know, you can sign on to paizo.com, post your question on the message board, and it's highly likely that you'll get an answer, you know, maybe even the same day, and maybe from the creative director or the executive editor or whoever. You know, we really believe in being involved. Well, and it's funny that you said that because uh, when I always do my spiel before the interview, you know, we're not going to talk about politics, religion, or barbecue. <laughs> those are the three most polarizing topics in this. Country. And addition changes politics and religion. I almost want to yeah, say that. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, it's oh my two gosh. of the three. There's a there's a there's a gentleman that I, I play with who who's like he he what's he doing? So how many versions of Dungeons and Dragons? What's the There's latest one? Fifth edition is the current, and, and the fourth is the one that made everybody angry or something, right? There was I I think there was some blowback over fourth. Yeah. So I think he's still running three point five or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah. And he's like, no, are. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna go any further. I'm not, and he's just like drawn that line in the sand, and and that's how some people and, are. and it makes sense because when you've already got. You know, maybe even like hundreds or thousands of dollars invested in a given edition. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't want to buy all that stuff over again. Yep. And sometimes things are backwards compatible. For instance, like, you know, Pathfinder, when we did one of the goals when we made Pathfinder was to make it pretty much backward compatible with 3.5. And so that was a, uh, that was a thing that we, we really valued because we knew that people didn't want to reinvest. Uh, now, turns out some of those people then ended up you know buying a lot of pathfinder stuff but we didn't want to force the change um and it's always hard but i don't i don't begrudge anybody for playing a particular edition you know i mean i still 
and, and I mean, we at the office play all sorts of different things. You know, people often imagine there's this big rivalry between Pathfinder and D&D, but the answer is we're both based out of Seattle, and it's a lot of the same people who have been in the industry forever, so we all play in each other's games and, sure. you know, yeah, play well, different different games. And I hate to cut you short, yeah. but we just got the finger from the guy at the door. Yeah. So um, uh, quickly tell people about the comic. Yeah, so we're also doing comics with Dynamite, um, and I'm really fortunate in that I'm getting to write some of them. And so uh, the new series that comes out this fall is called Pathfinder Hollow Mountain, and it's being written by three of the game's co-creators. It's me, uh, F. Wesley Schneider, and Eric Mona, who are the... Uh, editor-in-chief and publisher, respectively. Um, and it's going to be really diving deep into a lot of the sort of canon and stuff about Thassalon and Rune Lords and whatnot that okay. people have really been excited about. And so it's just a chance for us to do a dungeon romp with these characters. And, and I've loved the comics. Well, I, thank I you. Yeah, yeah. I, I love them. Jim, du- Jim Zub, who was writing the yep. original series, did a great job, and it's been really nice uh, to have him hand that off to okay. us and give us a chance to play with them as well. So... I'm really excited about it. I hope people will check it out. Very cool. Thank you for coming. And websites, quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, find me on Twitter. I'm just James L. Sutter. Uh, I'm also jameslsutter.com. Um, yeah, look me up. Uh, hit me up with questions online. I love to talk to people. Awesome. Thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. Your host is Patrick Hester, an author, a blogger, and a functional nerd. His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for All Things From My Brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SF Signal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. And have them tell their friends, and their friends, and so on, and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melts featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF and F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the Functional Nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Angry um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what hey. the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.